0: Welcome to the Restoration Church weekly podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And be sure to download the Church Center app. This is the best way to stay connected and up to date with all that's happening at Restoration Church. Most importantly, we hope the following message will help draw you closer to Christ. Thanks for listening. been a good year, friends. That was just a <clears throat> small sampling of many, many, many pictures of all that has taken place in 2023. At the end of each year, we have a special service like this, Hello Goodbye. It was inspired by friends of ours out in Minnesota who have a, host a podcast, and they do a whole series, I think, called Hello Goodbye, right? And so it's inspired by this uh, friend who has this podcast, but really it's just an opportunity for us to look back on the year that was. And then to look ahead on the year that could be and uh, hopefully making 2024 the best year possible. And friends, we did a lot in 2023. We celebrated 10 years as a church, which is pretty cool. We raised enough money to pave our back parking lot this year. Huge blessing. Uh, We also raised enough money to open a coffee shop within our community, which is pretty cool as well as so many other projects around restoration. Um, And as we prepare to say goodbye to 2023, I do want to kind of recap what we've been up to and kind of just praise God and remember God's faithfulness through it all before we take a look at what could be in 2024. Each year around the holidays, we specifically reflect on God's generosity towards us as we consider Paul's words to Timothy to be rich in good deeds to be generous and willing to share. And so we have this whole season crafted around generosity beginning in October, and it really just ended maybe last week even um, around Christmas time. And so we are a very active church in our community for our community, being rich in good deeds, being generous, being willing to share consistently throughout the year. But we do, we do really focus on this during the season and, and let it bleed out. During our Be Rich season, again, which started way back in October, and this might be a little bit of pastor math here, but we approximately served 1,400 hours as a church body together. Again, that's all in our community. Uh, That could be service days, paying for laundry, wrapping gifts, making lunches for the homeless, cleaning the roadside, loving on families to the giving tree, so much more, of course. If you guys have been around the last couple of months, you know how active the last three months have been and how much we have served. We have given or raised or donated approximately $30,000 and given it all back to the community. We purchased and wrapped over 60 gifts for teachers of Manor Elementary. We had our highest number ever on our giving tree, 83 kids on the giving tree, representing 32 different families. Thank you, Heather. Thousands of dollars worth of food and goods were donated uh, to us, which we distributed to local pantries, organizations, and our own initiatives like the shared meal holiday shop. But perhaps most importantly over all these things, we, we impacted about a thousand people. We impacted, and we built relationships with a lot of people as part of this as well, which is really why we do this, right? We want to build relationships with our community Help them know God's love in a tangible and practical way, and so I just thank you for your contributions, for your prayers, for your efforts, for your donations, for your efforts in making Be Rich such a successful season this year. And here's the thing, I typically receive all of the thanks for all of the things that we do as a church body, but I'm eager and I'm very quick to share that this is not my efforts, this is our effort this is a church-wide effort that accomplishes all of these things. In fact, like, we received this whole bag of envelopes, um, all thank you notes from Manor Elementary School. So if you purchased a gift for the Manor teachers, um, you probably have a thank you note in here, okay? So <clears throat> thank you. Um, that's super cool. And not only that, we get phone calls. I get emails. I, we get letters dropped in the mail. Like, people are thanking us. Our community is recognizing what we're doing, and I want to thank you For doing it because i'm the one who gets all the thanks but i am very eager to say this is this is really not just me this is a whole body at work doing this so thank you thank you thank you one of the reasons we do this is because faith is like a garden and the only thing i want you to think about this the only thing that grows in a garden without effort is weeds you guys how many of you have uh gardeners i thought you have experienced this before why is it that weeds are always popping up in gardens because those are the only things that can grow without any effort to produce fruit to to harvest you know something intentionally in a garden it takes months and months and months of prep work there is so much behind the scenes that the world never even recognizes that happens but it takes so much effort for a garden to produce fruit and i think of our community garden which i think is itself a highlight of 2024 this is a picture of one of the the sundays How incredible was that? That's a highlight of 2024. Thank you, Paul and your team, for making the garden such a success. We had a brand-new produce stand that I think really highlighted that. It really was an amazing blessing for our community. But soil had been turned over and composted, all in an effort to produce harvestable vegetable like six months from all that initial effort. You know, we do all this prep work so early on, and eventually, like six months later, even now, we've already prepared the garden for next July. We've done all of this work to prepare the garden that it might eventually bear fruit. See, preparing the soil of our community is an important piece of building trust with our community that no longer trust the church. And building trust with a Christian or a local church is a massive victory in a post-Christian community. It's really the first threshold we hope that our community will build up to, that we are trying to help our community trust the local church again. And that's a real big reason why we do all the things that we do in our community for our community. So, my friends, thank you for every prayer, for every minute served, for every dollar given to help our community trust the local church, and more importantly, to take a step towards Christ. Again, we are tilling soil. It may be 10, it may be 15 years down the road by by the time some of these people finally are convinced that they need Jesus in their life. But hopefully at that point, their soil of their own heart will have been tilled because of the work that God is doing through Restoration Church and other churches within our community. And eventually they will come to saving faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we've covered some hard conversations this year. If you think about it, I want to look back at all the conversations. I'm not going to look back at all the conversations. We covered some hard conversations this year. Uh, Which I think is something to highlight that we're not a church that's going to shy away from the hard conversations of life We're going to delve into what our society is wrestling with and see where the gospel intersects and aligns with those Or disagrees with those and we're going to always err then on the side of jesus Back in june. We held our fourth quarter carnival which raised nearly twenty five hundred dollars in quarters Do you believe that? It was our most successful quarter carnival yet. We gave all of that money back to our community through our Be Rich initiatives. Uh, So thank you for that. We're looking forward to another one of those, I think, this year, Julie. Yeah, okay, good, okay. I built like 15 new carnival games for this. It was super fun. Um, (laughs) Was it fun, Em? I don't know. (laughs) It was fun. It was fun to think through new games to build and to build them. Uh, VBS was stellar this year. Wink, wink. Stellar, get it? Stellar It was our theme for VBS, but it really was a stellar VBS. It was our highest attended VBS since the pandemic, so that's something to celebrate. More and more kids are coming back to VBS, which means we get to share the gospel with more and more kids. This past summer, we baptized 17 individuals, which is super awesome. 17 baptisms over the summer, which is so exciting. And again, that's the reason why we're here is to introduce people to Jesus and to, and to help them walk more closely with Jesus. And so um, not all of these were like new believers in Jesus, but a lot of them were um, people who just come to faith in Christ. So how exciting is that? Beyond this, we are officially at the halfway point of our first ever capital campaign. Literally today is like the halfway day of our capital campaign. And we've already raised $272,000 of our $400,000 goal. This has allowed us to pave our back parking lot, which has been an enormous blessing, not only us, but I think to our community at large. Uh, it's been an incredible gift. Uh, in addition, these funds have enabled us to open the Bridge Coffee and Community, which is super exciting. A coffee shop that is helping us meet our community, and there's so many great stories. We'll, we'll have to take a Sunday sometime and just share you all the stories that are already coming out of the bridge being in existence. It's, it's doing what it, we hoped it would do. Um, and we're starting a brand new food menu on Tuesday. And so tell all your friends, I think so. I think it's Tuesday. If you go in there and there's not food, don't, don't hate me. But um, Okay, well, this week, sometime soon, there's going to be a lot of food options. And so it's going to be going. It's going to be super excited. We had a taste testing the other day. It was really, really phenomenal stuff. So get ready for more food options at the Bridge and Emily and I recently went to Poland, which we were able to interact with the Martinez family, a family that we, we um, support, uh, missionaries in Poland, and Chechen Poland. Uh, and we were able to see their ministry and see the work and experience the culture of Chechen. And it is a very, very, you know, you, you, think, of, you think of Europe oftentimes and you think of how post-Christian Europe is. And we hear the stories, but it is absolutely true. I share this. Um, the Czech Republic is just south of Chechen Poland, and um, there are more people who identify as Jedis than there are as Jesus followers in the Czech Republic. And that's, a, that's an honest statistic that, that we've been told. And so um, Chechen Poland is 99% Catholic, but it's kind of like Catholic, kind of like Leviton is Catholic. like Everybody's Catholic, but nobody's really practicing Catholicism. Um, everybody is Catholic, but nobody really cares about Jesus. You might be an atheist, but you're still Catholic if you live in Chechnya, Poland. And so you are, um, if you're in Chechnya, you're in a, you're in a region, an area, a city of the, of, of Poland that really just is uninterested. At all in in things of jesus and so they have incredible work ahead of them and we are eager to partner with them And we're still praying about what it's it's going to look like to send a team and a delegation out to poland And when that's going to happen and what that team will be doing But that is certainly within our future as well. So we're super excited about that partnership And lastly somebody asked me recently why we do this golden candy cane hunt It's kind of a silly thing, but it's serving a purpose The reason we started this was to build relationships with our community who never would have interacted with the church otherwise, and that is absolutely what it is doing. There are people who come to me asking me questions, and I get to know them and get to introduce myself and and build a relationship with them who never would have stepped foot in the church, who never would have cared about Jesus, but they're on a hunt to win $500, and so I get to have all of these interactions, and it's super fun. Um, It's drawing our community to us, and just to show you what our web traffic looks like during the golden handicap hunt, it looks like this. Uh, that spike, we get about a hundred people a day to our, um, to our website daily, but during the golden, the golden hunts, we get about a thousand people a day to our, so that's kind of fun. That's kind of a fun little graph there. It's not opening Tuesday. It's not food on Tuesday. So I just lied to you and I apologize. It's At some point soon, food will be coming out to the bridge. Um, we say this a lot, friends, that we are in our community For our community, in our community, for our community. Emily recently reminded me of a passage of scripture out of Jeremiah. The Israelites are in exile and they're told that they're going to be there for a while. And so God says to the exiles, build houses there, settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So one of our hopes is that we can make lower box a great place to live a a desirable place to live A place where people thrive a place where people who are trapped in addiction find freedom in the name of jesus Uh, A a place where people who are trapped in despair find hope in the name of jesus Uh, People who are broken relationally or physically find restoration in the name of jesus A place where jesus creates restoration for all who would find him and seek him And that is our hope As a church body That this place this community at large that we would seek its blessing because if it prospers then we too Would prosper And to that end I want to help you set 2024 up to be the best year on record for you Now nowhere in scripture is it promised that if you follow jesus that your life is going to be easy Nowhere in scripture are we told that if you follow jesus that you will magically be free of all pain and chaos and worry And anxiety in life We follow our Lord, I just want you to think about this for a minute, we follow our Lord who was born into an impoverished family, he was a refugee as a child, a nomad as an adult, he died the most painful and shameful death that the Romans could devise. Basically everything that America tells us that we should reject and run away from, Jesus embodied. And not only did he embody it, but he said, come and follow me, and not only that, but come and be like me. When I say 2024 can be the best year on record, I mean it can be the year that you begin growing. Not that it's free of pain, not that it's free of worry, not that it's free of stress, not that everything is smooth sailing the entire year. I mean that it can be the year where you grow closer to Jesus. Where you become more like Jesus. Where you continue to grow more like Jesus. Because although following him may not make your life easier... It will give you tools, it will give you resources, communities, and most importantly, his spirit to empower you to fare every single challenge that comes up against you in 2024. And becoming like Christ is your greatest good. It is what is best for you. Becoming like Jesus is what is best for you. It is what is best for your household. If you are a parent, you becoming like Jesus is what is best for your household. If you're married, you becoming like Jesus is what is best for your marriage. Becoming like Jesus is what is best for you. It's what is best for the world. That You becoming like Jesus is what is best for your community. It's best for the world. It is God's will for your life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will that you would become like Christ. You see, in the beginning, God creates humanity in his image. Many of us know this truth. We were made to live like him, to function like him, to work and think and be like him. We were naturally lovers of him and lovers of others in the beginning. God gave us his self and his spirit to make us human. And this, of course, was tainted and marred and twisted so that it's no longer our default or our nature. We are now selfish and self-seeking and self-promoting and self-defending. But it's interesting, when the New Testament speakers uh, write about Jesus over and over again, they, they speak of him as the image of God, that Jesus is the image of God. And in him, we proclaim what we were always supposed to be. That in Him, we reclaim what we were always supposed to be. Becoming like Christ is good for you, friends. It's what is best for you. It's what is best for your marriage. It's best for your relationship with your kids. If you're a kid, it's what's best for you. It's what's best for your middle school. It's what's best for your high school. If you become like Jesus, it will do good. It will trickle through your communities. It will do good. In Him, we reclaim what we were always supposed to be. And through His empowering Spirit, we function as we were always intended to function. Maybe not entirely on this side of eternity, but we are working. These are the first fruits, Paul says to the Romans. These are the first fruits of God's future restoration in us, God's spirit at work in us. When we become like Christ, we are tasting what we will always be throughout eternity. So this isn't about helping you live your best life as filtered through the American standard, right, that is free of pain and always comfortable and super wealthy. This isn't about living your best life as filtered through the American standard. This isn't about you... Helping you discover happiness as it's tied to your circumstances this is about you becoming new This is about new creation. This is about new life Remade in Christ's image discovering joy that transcends circumstances because it's anchored in christ and discovering purpose beyond hedonism beyond your own happiness beyond your own self-promotion Because this is tied to where god is taking the world And so the question, what should you do? What should I do in 2024? Well, there's an analogy throughout scripture that I've already touched on that compares our relationship to God and the product of that relationship in horticultural language. Horticultural meaning like gardening language. We've already talked about this a little bit. We see it immediately at the beginning when God places humanity in a garden and tells them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Representative entities describing our relationship with God and with one another. We see it in Isaiah 5 when God uses vineyard to describe the people of Israel. The entire book of Song of Songs uses garden imagery to relate to our relationship to one another and our relationship to God. Jesus said that only when we abide in him, stay attached to the vine, will we produce fruit. And that apart from Jesus, we cannot produce anything of value. Paul picked up on this when he said that the fruit of God's spirit in us is love. And over and over and over again, we see that the Bible describes this relationship as trees or as gardens or as vineyards. And Jesus tells us something very interesting regarding this relationship. Here's what he says regarding this relationship as it's used, again, in the imagery of of a vineyard or a garden imagery. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine you are the branches. Paul alludes to the same idea when he says the fruit of the Spirit. Right? This isn't the fruit of my trying harder. This isn't the fruit of my religious efforts. This isn't the fruit of my good works. This is the fruit of God in me. God through me. God's Spirit living in me produces this fruit. So I want to tell you something that might seem confusing to some of you. But I think it might free some others of you. You are not responsible for producing the fruit of God's spirit in you. You You're only responsible for abiding. That's it. And the reason that's it is because we are the branch. We are not the vine. We are the branch. We cannot produce fruit on our own. Only the vine can do that through us. Some of you have lived your whole lives trying to be the perfect Christian, doing everything possible you can to produce some semblance of holiness, some semblance of good work, some semblance of self-righteousness that looks good to the outside world. And you've worn all the right outfits, and you've attended all the right services, and you've said all the right prayers, and you feel like you're dying inside. And you wonder why. If I've done all of the things that I was supposed to do, then why do I feel empty inside? Why isn't my life changing? Why aren't my relationships better? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why is my household such a wreck? I've done all the things that Christianity throughout the ages has told me that I was supposed to do. And you're wondering where this abundant life of Jesus is. And you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying. And Jesus says to you, man, I never, I never said, I never asked you to produce the fruit. I only asked you to abide. I never asked you to produce the fruit on your own by your own efforts. I only asked that you would abide. I asked that you would remain in my love, that you would sit under my love, that you would like, like a waterfall pouring over you, that you would just abide in me and sit in my love. And that you would let me produce the fruit in you, that you would let me make you new. That you would let me do the work through you. You see, joy and abundant life, this is a product of the Spirit. It doesn't come by turning away from hard things or sugarcoating hurtful experiences or putting on the brave face or claiming strength and stuffing it all down. It comes from remaining in God's love. It comes from remaining in the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to do the work as we abide in Him. God produces the fruit. All we can do is cultivate its growth. We have several houseplants in our in our kitchen area. And one of them was given to me uh, just after my mom passed away. And both of my parents have green thumbs. It is not a quality that has been passed down to me. And Emily has never had it either. Like, we kill plants, like, but we're doing okay right now, yeah. we We got the most low-maintenance plants that you could possibly have, and still they're dying some days like they're still they're still withering um so early on this this plant that was given to us as a gift after my mom died we brought it into our home and and of course right it's symbolic of my mom's life and so we're invested in it and we're caring for it and we're tending to it and we're watering it and making sure that it's has rich soil and we put it near the window so that it has all the sunlight that needs and we put it out of the reach of our dog right because who knows and and little by little, this plant began to grow, and it was thriving and, and really good. And then we got busy. And uh, for a few days, um, the plant didn't get watered, and the soil dried up, and the busyness of Christmas happened, and we forgot about the plant, and it began to weather. And just a couple days ago, Emily looked at me, and she was like, is that plant supposed to look like that? You guys ever had one of those moments, you look at your plant, and you're know, like, is that plant supposed to be floppy and withered and like not full of life? what's wrong with your mom's plant it looks flat it looks droopy it's not that the plant is dead right it's still got a little bit of life in it but it's certainly not thriving it looks it looks withered and it looks tired and it's unhealthy but here's the thing friends i'm not describing a plant i'm describing a lot of our spiritual lives a lot of us look withered and tired and unhealthy and i'm not here to judge you right i'm not i'm not here to condemn you or to shame you i'm here to call you deeper and further into Christ's likeness and to help you grow more towards it and so without showing hands how many of you would say that your spiritual lives are tired and withered and unhealthy How many of you would say that your relationship with Jesus and your pursuit of Jesus is withered and tired and unhealthy? Droopy, perhaps, or worn out. You know, we we think about it. In the beginning, you know, we, we came to Christ with such excitement and we discovered new life and we sprouted out of that fertile soil with such exuberance. And then life began to happen. And we didn't mean for it to happen. We we didn't do it intentionally, but we just kind of drifted. And and life got busy. A day turned into a week, which turned into a month, and all of a sudden we found ourselves, we hadn't prayed in a very long time. We hadn't opened our Bible in a very long time, and we just kind of drifted. Again, we didn't do it intentionally. It wasn't like we did this on purpose. We didn't want to abandon Jesus. We didn't want to leave his word, and we didn't want to stop praying, but it just kind of happened, and it just kind of drifted. And then, you know, my kids and their sports schedules and my work schedule. And when they don't have sports on Sunday mornings, then I'm just tired and I want a Sunday to sleep in finally. And so I just started, I kind of stopped attending church. And I stopped making this community a priority in my life. And I stopped serving then. And I stopped participating in the life and all the things that the church has provided. And I stopped giving sacrificially, financially. And then, you know, I just, I don't know, I, I, Caleb only plays like six songs over and over and over again, and so I just kind of got bored with that, and so I just started listening to talk radio instead. And I found that my community changed, and I started hanging out with more right-wing thinkers or more left-wing thinkers, and all of a sudden I found myself sifting more of my, more of my thoughts through political filters than I did through kingdom filters. And I found myself, I don't know, starting each day by reading the news or scrolling social media rather than praying and getting into God's Word. And again, it wasn't intentional. It's not like I did this on purpose, but I just kind of drifted. And what I've discovered, that is when I drift, I always drift towards selfishness. And I think that's a general principle. I think that's true. I think when we drift from Jesus, when we turn from Jesus and we start drifting again, it's not like I made a a huge 90 degree turn, 180 degree turn, it just kind of drifted a little bit. And when you drift, you always drift towards selfishness. You always drift towards chaos. You always drift towards ruin. Not only in your own heart, you're always going to drift towards chaos in your marriage, and you're going to drift towards chaos in your household. And eventually, you're going to drift towards creating chaos in your community at large. You're going to create chaos in the world. When you drift from Jesus, you're always going to drift towards selfishness, which always hurts and always hurts others. And I didn't mean to drift towards destruction in my own heart and in my household, but I just kind of found myself doing it because little by little, day by day, I stopped saying yes to Jesus and I started saying yes to the things of the world. And now I feel angsty all the time. And I feel stressed and I feel worried and I feel anxious and I'm less patient and I'm more quick to anger and I'm quicker to resentment and I'm quicker to respond in unloving ways. And I feel like this fruit is kind of withered and tired and unhealthy. And has God left me? Is God mad at me? Has he abandoned me? I feel far from him. I feel distant. I mean, I'm still a Christian. I'm just beginning to wonder where the power is. Where the change is. Where this new and abundant life that Jesus promised is. Friends, producing the fruit of new life is God's business. Cultivating its growth is ours. Talk to any farmer, anyone who has ever tried to grow anything, and they will tell you that produce does not just magically appear. There is months and months of preparation, and there is daily attention to the crops. If we fail to cultivate the garden of God that he has entrusted to us, If we fail to provide it with healthy soil and water to provide it sunlight and protect it and give it the company needs, talk to any farmer, talk to Paul, he'll tell you that, of course, you plant certain plants, certain fruit next to other fruit because they will thrive together in community. The produce will not come because there is not context for its production. And again, that's a garden, but it's a spiritual analogy. The reality is we are constantly cultivating the garden called life. All of us, we're constantly cultivating the garden called life. When the first thing we do in the morning is read the news and we hop on social media, we fill our brains with with certain thinkers or left-wing thoughts, left-right-wing thoughts, whatever it may be. We are cultivating the product of division and worry and comparison and self-pity in our life. If that is how we start our day every single day. When we hop in the car, we go to work, we listen to talk radio. We are cultivating the product of division and consumerism and greed and envy. And then we go to school or we get to work and we begin cultivating selfish motives and rivalry and slander and gossip. And we put down others and we join cliques and all day long we are preparing for the production. We are preparing for the production. Remember, the only thing that grows in a garden that isn't intentionally cultivated are weeds. And some of you just begin to recognize your life is just full of weeds. Because that's the only thing that can grow up when you are not intentionally cultivating it towards the kingdom of God. And one day you'll find yourself judgmental and angsty and rude. And you'll say to yourself, I never used to be like that. I didn't always carry this weight upon my shoulders. I don't know when I became this person. And you'll look back and maybe you can pinpoint a day when you stopped cultivating the garden of God's life in you and you allowed the world and its context to grow its weeds up in you because you stopped cultivating God's life in you. And you're only cultivating the garden of selfish interest or your own political interest or the interest of your kids or making more money and getting that new house. And you can look back and regret on those days and those seasons and decisions, but you cannot go back and live those seasons again. You can look back on regret, you can repent of them, but you cannot go back and live those seasons again. But you can begin to invest your time, your energy, your resources, your heart, your mind, your strength into the garden of God's fruit and his spirit. And he then will begin to renew you and change you as you do so. As you trust more in him and place more of your hope in him. And so as we head into 2024, my hope, my encouragement to you is that you would make Jesus your priority. That you would put him at the center of your life. That you would abide in him. That you would sit under his love. And that you would put him at the center, intentionally growing to be More like him We have a choice in this friends Which garden are you going to cultivate? And whose life then Are you going to reap? I'm going to invite the band forward We're going to sing a final song as we reflect on this And I want to share with you a number of opportunities We have here at Restoration To help you with this endeavor First my first encouragement To all of you is that you would make an Intentional effort to begin every single Day with prayer And God's word And I don't say that legalistically like you have to chalk boxes, but I'm telling you, friends, this is where it begins. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. And that word daily in the Greek doesn't mean like once a day. It means minute by minute or second by second. It means always. And follow me. So if you want to be a follower of Jesus, if you want to reap the life of Jesus, if you want that life to overflow through your own heart and onto your marriage and onto your kids and onto your household, then you need to die to yourself daily. You need to pray, and I would encourage you, even the Lord's Prayer, make that part of your your regular routine, because that is a prayer of alignment. that's, That's a prayer that acknowledges that my heart has drifted this way, and I'm realigning my heart to God's kingdom and his provision and his protection every single day. And so start every day with prayer and God's word. There are so many bible reading plans Um, One that we've used so often is tara lee cobbles the bible recap That's a phenomenal resource to you if you want to help understanding the bible It takes about 15 minutes a day, but you'll read through three chapters or so a day And then she's going to give you about five to six minutes of commentary on what you just read And so it's a great way to help you understand what you're reading and not just feel lost in the What can be very very treacherous weeds, especially in some of the old testament texts so I would really encourage you to, there's, but if you have the, the YouVersion Bible app, there are so many reading plans out there. I would really encourage you to get into the Bible. And if you don't feel like you're up for the, the task of, of reading the whole Old Testament, which will take you th- until October, by the way. So if you want to get out of that, and if you just want to read the New Testament, there are Bible reading plans just for the New Testament. That will take you about a chapter a day through the whole New Testament in the next year. That would be incredible time spent with Jesus. I would really, really encourage you to do that. At Restoration Church, we have a discipleship circle, which we we came up with several years ago um, during the pandemic, actually, I think. Um, This circle, everybody has a beginning at Restoration Church. Uh, There should be one more before that. There we go. Everybody has a beginning at Restoration Church, but our hope is that you wouldn't just begin here and that you would just sit and consume, but that you would move into belonging, that you would get into groups, because that is where change is going to take place. That's where community is going to be established. And it's in that context of, of belonging that you're going to mature into Christ's likeness as you become like Christ. And then there's always these bridges, right, that you get to impact the world, opportunities to, to share and to invite and to share the hope that you have with your community. And so there are always bridges out into the world to be on mission for Jesus. So this is our hope. And so we've constructed um, a discipleship pathway around this hope, this, this desire for every single one of you. And it begins with starting point. If you guys have never taken starting point, I would really encourage you. It's going to be offered again in January, starting in January. I'd really encourage you to take starting point. It's an eight-week course that will, that will lay a great foundation for the Christian faith for you. And if you've already taken starting point, then your next step in the journey is to take a, a, a book study called The Story About a Story 1. Part 1, 2, and 3 will all be offered um, this, this early winter, and I would encourage you to walk through it because those are going to help you understand the story of, of God's word. The story of Jesus, the story of God's word and see Jesus through it all and how God's redemptive story is really, really tied into every story in the, in the, in the Old Testament and the new and what God is doing in each of you. So I'd encourage you to get in these groups as well. Again, those will all be offered in the next couple of weeks. In addition to that, we're going to have men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies, opportunities for you to connect. And beyond that, there are going to be um, house groups for every sermon series, um, throughout this year. The first one starting the week of January 21st with a new series titled Jesus Centered Christianity. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week um, as we jump into um, the next two weeks will be one-offs. We're going to baptisms on the 14th and then on the 21st we're starting this eight-week series called Jesus Centered Christianity. Really at its heart it's a it's a it's a really deep dive into Romans chapter 8. So if you've known Romans chapter 8, it's a phenomenal chapter in scripture, one of my favorites, and we're going to walk for eight weeks through that one chapter of text, and so um, I think it's going to be a really great time, but if you want to get together with other people to discuss it, house groups meets to, for three primary purposes, to connect, you do that over a meal, you share a meal together, um, for caring for one another, so you you pray for one another, you carry each other through life's hardships, and then you cultivate your relationship with God through sermon discussion questions. And so. Uh, Again, house groups are going to be offered um, throughout the year. In addition to house groups, we have these things called fellowships. If you just want to make friends, if you're just interested in like hanging out with people and getting to know other people in a similar stage of life or maybe who have similar interests with you, there are a number of fellowships that we offer. These are all on our website. I'm not going to walk through them all right now, but those are all available to you. Men's groups, women's groups, mom's groups, parents' groups, creative groups, um, men just hanging out, people just doing all sorts of things together. So we have fellowships available. And then, if you want to get serving and involved in helping us accomplish our mission into the community, we have this six-part Venn diagram, which I'm not going to go through all of this right now. But if you want to help us serve our community, if you want to help us get into our community and share the love of Christ with our community, then we have so many ways that we do that here at Restoration Church. And in addition to that, if you just want to start serving maybe in kids' ministry or on our hospitality team or in the AV booth, if you want to start serving and giving of yourself, practicing, cultivating through serving, then we have a number of opportunities through our various teams here at Restoration Church as well. In addition to that, I would encourage you to continue to give because that is a way that you can cultivate God's spirit in you as a, as a context. Sacrifice of yourself, just like Christ did for us. And then certainly be praying, and in God's word throughout 2024. I know I just threw a lot at you about how to get involved here at Restoration Church. My best encouragement to you is to get the app, is to go on our website, look at the connect tabs and the next step tabs on our website, or come and talk to me or talk to Julie simply about how you can best get connected here at Restoration Church so that 2024 is the best year on record yet because it is the year that you decided I'm going to intentionally grow to become like Jesus by myself, individually, but also with the community of Restoration Church. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing one final song together as we close out our time. Heavenly Father, for who you are, thank you. That you have invited us back into relationship with you, Father. That you have bridged the gap between you and us, and you have reconciled the relationship so that we could become like you and live as we are always intended to live, which is in the image of Christ. And so as a a confession, Father, and this might be a corporate confession individually, however people need to pray alongside with me, Father, we confess that we have drifted. We confess that we have been selfish and self-seeking and self-promoting and self-reigning, and it has caused destruction because as we drift, it always causes destruction, and it's causing destruction in my own heart and in my own mind, in my own household, in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids my workplace and my work ethic and just my desire to get out of bed in the morning. I just feel like there's so much ruin and chaos and destruction, Father, because I have drifted far from you. But every single day, Father, we praise the fact that you meet us exactly where we are. That your mercy is new with the sunrise and you invite us every single day back, back, back into relationship, Father. And so I pray, Father, as we confess that we've drifted, that we would repent, that we would acknowledge it, that we would turn from it. And that we would desire our hearts to be aligned with you once again and our lives to be aligned with you once again, Father. Because I know that that may not change all the circumstances in my life. It may not change every hardship, Father, but it will give me a community and it will give me your spirit more importantly, Father. To transcend and to get through every single hardship that might come my way. Not only that, but it will give me a great witness to the world that is searching for the hope and the life of Christ. And so we pray for a revival not only of our own hearts, but of our world, Father, and do it through us. Let the light shine. Let it break forth. Let it pierce, darkened hearts. And that we become renewed as we give more of ourselves to you in 2020. We pray this in your name. If you would like to stand and join us in singing one final song, you're welcome to do so.